Okay, here we go. I'll put it in reverse. Got it. Now forward. Okay. First. Now turn the wheel. Turn the wheel. No, reverse. Reverse. Don't kill it. Kill it. Kill the owner. There's a reason they say cursed like a sailor. In reverse. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Well, we're back now. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. Welcome to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. We are part of the Almighty Baller Network, and we're back at you. It had been quite a break. Um, unfortunately, we had a lot of things go on. Some of it good, some of it bad. Um, that caused us to have to take a little bit of time off, but we are back at it now, and we are going to come back at you full force with all the things you expect. Joining me today on the show is my buddy Pete Toll. Pete knows the NBA inside and out. You've heard him on the show before. What we are going to do is we are going to break down all 30 teams over the next series of episodes and all of their off-season transactions. And when I say all, I mean all. Every single one of them, we will break down and go through in detail on what's happening, what to expect of the guys who are coming, the guys who are going, and where we think things sit as far as if the team is up or down from last year and those kind of things. But I, I talk all that, and I, I introduce them, but I didn't welcome them. Hey, Pete, how are you? I'm doing great, Keith. Thanks again for having me. Ready to talk some, some basketball. Absolutely. So before we get into the actual basketball, we'll give you a little peek behind the curtain here of the NBA for an office show, and I'll give you a little bit of detail on why we had such a long break. So part of the break was intentional. I traveled to both Orlando Summer League and Las Vegas Summer League, spent a good deal of time in both places, was there for the entire week of Orlando. When I say traveled, it was really just a drive down the road since that's where I am based out of. And then I was in uh, Las Vegas for the better part of a week and spent a lot of time out there. Um, I do want to give a quick shout-out to my guy Pete Philo and the TPG Sports Group. I took part in the Pro Scout School once again. It is a fantastic offering. If you ever have a chance, check it out. It is completely amazing. You're going to learn so much. My head was full by the end of our time together, and they just do a great job with that. So check that out there. Not a paid sponsor or anything. That is just me uh, loving the work that they do so much to share that. So I was out there for that, and obviously out there for Summer League, had a chance to talk to folks from every team, uh, whether it be front office executives, scouts, coaches, folks from all over. So you'll hear some of that as we go through each team. Um, I had a full series of Summer League notes that posted on RealGM.com with a lot of the this and that of things that I learned, but we'll get in even deeper detail on some of those things here over the next series of shows. So so what you can expect is we are going to start off, we're just going to go alphabetical by city, so we're going to start with the Atlanta Hawks, and we will go through things. You'll pick it 
up really quick. Uh, as always, Pete and I always say, don't. We're not going to feel bad if you if it's not your team and you want to skip down and go go to the next team and that. But we're going to start out with Atlanta. We're going to go as long as we can. We're going to try to keep these to about an hour because we know people get a little bit. Oh man, two hours. That's a long show. So we're going to try to keep it about an hour in length um, and go from there. And the last thing I want to hit everybody with was make sure your homeowner's insurance is paid up because we had a lightning strike at our house. Just as uh, Pete, Pete knows, I was back from Vegas. I was like, hey, you ready to record? we got a lot to talk about. And we had a lightning strike, which fried our router, modem, computer, a whole bunch of stuff. So we had finally took, it took a little while, longer than I'd hoped to get back up and running. But now I have a nice, shiny, fast, new computer, which is nice. So we're going to be ready to go with all that sort of stuff here in just a bit, um, and we'll get into it. So, Pete, you got anything to add? Any, any kind of big NBA stories that you're looking at right now? I know we were talking a little bit off air, um, two things that are still kind of floating around out there. So if you want to give everybody a sense of those, and just to, to kind of put a timestamp on this, we're recording Friday evening on July 28th, but what are the two kind of big things that you, you mentioned to me that you were watching? Uh, the big things I think everybody that's a huge NBA fan is waiting to see uh, the first foot to drop with Carmelo Anthony. Um, preferably, he wants to go to Houston, so let's see if that deal happens. Obviously, it's complicated with his no-trade clause. Um, you know, can't really feel out other teams because he can veto going there. Um, have to make the salaries work and, and have to give New York something back if you're Houston that's worthwhile. And um, the other deal... Um, that everybody is kind of waiting on is, is the more recent news um, of Kyrie Irving winning out in Cleveland. And so um, with him having two years left on his deal, uh, with a, um understanding that basically Cleveland can take their time and search for the right deal, Kyrie could basically go anywhere at this point. But his preferred destinations are, um, I think Minnesota was there. You had um, the Spurs up there in New York. Um, I know it's been recently rumored that Phoenix has tried to jump in. Um, LeBron was trying to get a um, rumored um, package, including Josh Jackson, and that was turned down. So it'll be interesting um, to see where Kyrie ends up. I think um, as we talked uh, before we went on, the Kyrie Irving um, stuff may have to drop first before anything progresses with Melo. But, you know, it's the NBA. It's been a wild offseason. You never know. Yeah, really. We're in the end of July. I was telling Pete, talking with folks around the NBA, a lot of them are saying, hey, this is the time when we should be able to start be starting our vacations. Guys are looking forward to that because you're, the NBA season is starting earlier this year, which kind of pushes the whole timeline up. And a lot of players and coaches and front office guys are like, yeah, you know, we, we should be moving into doing some other things here. And now we've still got these two two big storylines that are out there that we're watching. So we're not going to spend a whole bunch of time breaking those down. You know, we'll get into those when something does happen or, you know, when we get into to their teams as we do the review here. Um, but just, yeah, those, just to, kind of, again, put a timestamp on it. That's what we're looking at uh, right now. It's the, the, the Mello and the Kyrie drama, you know, per, per Personally, I kind of would like to, you know, see it all get wrapped up in a one big transaction, and then, uh, and then we can all, you know, break it down, dissect it, and analyze it, and move on. And I know my family would appreciate that too, because they're they're getting a little tired of the, uh, of of me, you know, <laughs> still being this wrapped up in the NBA world as we uh, approach August here. This should be should be a little bit of downtime and family time. But but enough of all that. Let's get into it. Let's get into the off season. What do you think, Pete? 
Absolutely. Let's get started. Let's do it. So we're going to start with the Atlanta Hawks. This is a team I know Pete knows something about because he lives right on the outskirts of Atlanta. And um, so he, he's got a lot of good uh, the, the local intel of what's going on with this team. Um, so what we're going to do first, we're going to cover all the, the outs is how I, I frame them. Um, we're going to kind of break these into categories. Guys who are leaving, guys who are coming, so out, in. Um, we'll talk about the cap space left. We'll talk about um, a couple guys. What we did was we kind of listed a question, what they might still need, and then is the team up or down. So let's start with the guys who are headed out of Atlanta, and we're just going to go through them in alphabetical order. First guy on the list, Jose Calderon. He is moved on. He is signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers, a one-year minimum contract in Cleveland. What do you think of about Jose Calderon and see somebody the Hawks are going to miss. No, they will not. Um, <laughs> came on late in the year and um, basically, to me, uh, took a job from Malcolm Delaney, who was kind of up and down. Um, more so, he fits better with Cleveland as kind of that third point guard. Maybe now a backup to Derrick Rose if the Kyrie Irving situation, um, you know, doesn't net a point guard in return, but we'll see. Doesn't hurt the Hawks, though. No, yeah, he, um, you know, we'll talk more about him on the Cavs um, section when we get there, but Cal- Calderon is the guy that, yeah, you're exactly right, and they, we'll, we'll talk about a guy who might might kind of replace some of his minutes in the uh, in the mix here when we get down to the guys who are coming in, but yeah, I don't think he'll be missed, nor do I think the next guy's going to be missed very much. Mike Dunleavy, he was waived, a $1.6 million cap hit for Atlanta, sitting on their books. They have not, uh, or he has not, I should say, signed with anyone to this point. And it wouldn't surprise me if he catches on with the team. He's still, you know, a somewhat passable shooter, decent ball handler, good ball mover as far as a passer and those kind of things. So it wouldn't wouldn't shock me to see him catch on somewhere. But he again, he he was really only acquired as to make that Kyle Culver trade work um, with the Hawks and the Cavs back around uh, midseason in the NBA. So well, what's your thoughts on that one? Um, with Dunleavy, I think um, right now his age, mid-30s, he's basically an end-of-the-bench guy that's going to give you, you know, maybe a three per game, come in in a, in a situation-based um, lineup, but nothing that's going to be counted on as a rotation guy. Maybe, you know, could sign with a contender, um, I think more so when the season gets started or at least getting close to training camp. Yeah, that, that's what I think. And, I, and I, you know, we're starting to see some of these NBA guys, as I talk to players around the league, some of the veteran guys, they're almost taking that NFL approach where I'll sign late. So I don't have to be there for the whole beginning and do all the running and all that stuff in the early parts of the preseason. So now let's get into a guy that we know they'll miss, Tim Hardaway Jr. He signed an offer sheet with the New York Knicks. The Hawks chose not to match that. Hardaway Jr. was a restricted free agent, so Atlanta could have matched that and brought him back. They chose not to um, and let, let him go. So we'll, we'll obviously talk about was that the right move. But, you know, just to give a little breakdown, Hardaway Jr. blossomed in Atlanta. He was the uh, – uh, latest, uh, you know, graduate of what uh, Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue call Hawks University, which cranks out wing players left and right. And Hardaway Jr. was the, the latest guy to come through there and just, you know, really turn himself into a quality, good, solid NBA player. He was the Hawks starter by, uh, what, probably a quarter of the way into the season, midseason at the latest, and was, um, you know, one of their better players, especially um, down the stretch and into the playoffs. So I'm going to put it to you first, Pete. Should the Hawks have matched that deal, or should they have let him go? Not for the amount of money that New York paid him. Um, if it was a reasonable contract in the you know 40, 40 to $45 million range, 
I would have said yes, they could have matched him. But um, I think that, you know, with Tim Hardaway going back to New York, it kind of gives them a chance maybe for redemption. For the Hawks, um, they can feel good that they, they built a guy up, that they did not have to overpay. Um, and we'll talk about some of the guys that will fill his his role that I think may end up potentially being um, – you know, good guys in the rotation. Yeah, so let's let's close the book on that one because it was a four-year, almost $71 million offer sheet that Hardaway Jr. signed with the Knicks. $16.5 million starting salary goes up from there, ends with a player option in 2020-21, and also a 15% trade bonus added in there. That's essentially what you have to do if you're going to try to get a restricted free agent. You have to overpay him and go out on the limb a little bit. Otherwise, you're just not going to get him. It's, you know, it's, it's as you said, if they had offered anything reasonable, Atlanta probably matches and he's back. So he, he is off to the Nets. The next guy, so this one broke uh, pretty early on. Um, and as we were cranking up the offseason here, Dwight Howard was traded to the Charlotte Hornets. Now, we already broke this trade down on a previous show, so if you really want to get a super bunch of detail on that, you can go back and find that previous show. So we're not going to spend too much time on that one. But Dwight Howard, he, he signed in Atlanta, only lasted a year there, right? One year, right, it, with the Hawks and was their starting center and now you know shipped out of town. What do you think about that one? I think locker room distraction and then already having a little bit of a hothead in Dennis Schroeder. I don't think it was a good mix for their locker room. Different GM, you know, build character guys, things like that. Dwayne Dedman will fill that role along with um, bringing back Mike Muscala, no problem. So I don't think they'll miss Dwight very much. Yeah, I don't either. I think this is the addition by subtraction kind of move. Um, now we'll we'll get into what they got from him when we talk the ends. Um, you know, it, it wasn't great. You know, but this was more of a let's clear some salary. Let's uh, you know do do this. So it'll be be interesting to see you know where that goes. But it's uh you know we'll obviously talk Dwight with the Hornets when we get to the Charlotte Hornets um, later on in the off season reviews. But it's you know it's it's he's, he's done you know in Atlanta after just one year moving on. Um, continuing in the front court, they they're really their front court is going to be almost completely different minus a couple of guys. Um, Chris Humphreys, he's a free agent. I We don't need to spend a lot of time on Chris Humphreys. He is a back-end minimum salary guy who, you know, he might catch on with another team because he can still rebound the ball, um, hit, hit the occasional shot here and there. He's a you know decent guy. You know, I know there's all the Kardashian stuff, but he's actually um, well-known to be a somewhat decent guy um, for the locker room, but He's going to be gone. Then Ryan Kelly, another guy, back-end minimum rotation guy, he was traded to the Rockets. Um, Really, as the Rockets collected non-guaranteed contracts by the Bushel Fulton to try and make that Chris Paul trade and whatever else they were going to do with them or may still do with them. But then, because he had an earlier guarantee date at the beginning of July, he was waived by Houston. Um, Kelly's just, you know, at this point, he's, he's... you know, he is what he is. He's probably a you know, back-end rotation guy. It wouldn't shock me if he catches on with the team for training camp because he's got a little bit of stretch forward in his game um, there. But he's out the door. Now let's move to the big one. This one's even bigger than Howard and Hardaway and all the rest of them combined. Paul Millsap, longtime Atlanta Hawk, has left Atlanta and moved to the Denver Nuggets. What do you think the loss of Millsap means for the Hawks? Um, as far as the fan base goes, it's it's really a blow because you're you're missing 18 points um, and nearly eight rebounds a game gives you spot up shooting. As far as the team um, overall, I think just the locker having him in the locker room just there is that 
you know, go-to guy as a veteran presence. I think they're going to really, really, really miss him um, a ton. Great get for the Denver Nuggets, but if I was Atlanta, I would have had to go, you know, if I had a time machine, go back to the trade deadline and try to get some type of asset for him. Just don't just lose him for nothing. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that because back, you remember, right, they put him on the block for, like, two days, and then mm-hmm. uh, the, the um, what, what, backlash was so harsh from the fan base because they were, I want to say they were fourth maybe in the East at the time. When they were. They traded Corver, yeah, and then they now it's like, hey, we're going to trade Millsap. And people went so crazy that they had to pull him back. Now, I'm with you. It, it might have cost them a playoff spot this year. And the funny thing is, they might have even been able to trade them direct to Denver. <laughs> um, exactly. They were one of the teams that was interested. You might have been able to get you know, at least some form of asset from, from the Nuggets and you know, had it still all finished where it you know, kind of did anyway. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, for me, it kind of – that move, more, more than the Howard trade, more than losing Hardaway, because I think those two are a little more replaceable – and I know Millsap's an older guy, but he's still really, really good. He's an all-star. He doesn't get enough credit for being an all-star. So one of the things that I um, you know, feel like is that one probably more so than any other signaled we're, we're rebuilding. Now, when we get into the, their signings, which are almost there, I think they're rebuilding, but they're not, gonna, they're not tanking. You know, let's be very clear about that. I, I don't think this team is going to tank, um, you know, because of some of the moves that they made. I think they're going to try to rebuild this and be competitive on the fly. But you don't lose an all-star talent in Paul Millsap, a fringe all-star guy in Dwight Howard, a good, you know, starter slash rotation guy in Tim Hardaway Jr., and really expect to, you know, be as good as you were um, with that. Let's move on to the last guy who left town, Tabo Cephalosha. He signed with the Utah Jazz um, as a free agent. He's, he's had out to Utah. I think he's going to fit in fantastic there. And, you know, this is just, this was a numbers game. He's an older guy, and the Hawks already have a lot of wings that they like that he would have been really kind of blocking in what should be more of a, you know, um, be competitive but develop here. What are your thoughts? You just said it, you know, blocking playing time for some of their young wings that they're trying to develop. And um, if you're doing a soft rebuild or um, you know, trying to get the the young guys, um, you know, playing time. You don't have a Tabo Cephalosha on your team. Yep. Fits perfect in Utah. So, you know, great great for both sides. Yeah, it's uh, this isn't the Jazz section, but uh, the Jazz are going to harken it back to the to the uh, '90s basketball, I think, and try to win games like '86 to '80 and mm-hmm. beat guys up. And you know, they're they're going to be miserable to play against. Um, you know, I've, I, I, that was the reputation that the Grizzlies had for a number of years now that you're going to play them and get beat up. That's what it's going to be like to play against the Jazz. Now, I mean, they're just going to beat the crap out of you and hope that they, they can, uh, you know, muscle their way to wins, you know, with, with the guys that they added. But, again, this isn't the Jazz section. This is the Hawks section. We'll get back back into the Hawks here. So, Marco Bellinelli, we're, we're on the inside here. So, let's talk talk guys coming in. Marco Bellinelli, and then we're, we're going we're gonna to skip down on our little outline here. I know we're going alphabetical, but Miles Plumley, those two guys were the two that were brought in for Dwight Howard in the trade. Bellinelli, to me, makes some sense. Hey, Pete knows this. I say this all the time. If you've got a young point guard, which Dennis Schroeder is still a young point guard, despite you know heading into his fifth year, his contract extension kicks in this year, he's still a young guy. Best thing you can do for a young point guard is put shooters around him, right, Pete? 
Yep, exactly. Yeah, and that's what Bellinelli's going to give him. He's going to give him a little bit of a shooter. He can maybe start if they need him to, come off the bench. He's a guy, he'll win a game or two for him this year. Now he might shoot him out of a game or two or five or ten. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. two. <laughs> yeah, but he's, uh, you know, and let's say he has a good year. Now you've got a tradable piece because he's the kind of guy teams are always looking for at the trade deadline. Someone's always looking for a bench scorer who can come in and get you, you know, ten points real quick off the bench. And then if he's not playing well and you're a good team, you just sit him you know worry about it um plumley i don't have a lot good to say there you know this guy's still living off that one great year he had with the Suns when they had that you know really unexpectedly good team um he lived off the fact that goran dragic and eric bledsoe were just repeatedly broke down defenses and got to the paint he was great diving to the rim you know off their penetration and making plays but it's then he got paid, got paid way too much, you know, and it's kind of funny because I actually wrote for Real GM, I called him one of the most untradeable contracts in the league last year pre-deadline, he's been traded twice, so I guess that's your lesson, I'm an idiot, don't listen to me, or nobody's really that untradeable, which there is a qualifier that it does say that in the article to protect myself on that one, but, you know, we talked about Bellinelli a little bit, you got thoughts on these two guys, what they might bring to the Hawks? Well, Bellinelli is strictly shooting. He's not a defender, so um, he's going to be in there to knock down shots. I think it's actually a great um, acquisition for the Hawks because you lose Hardaway Jr., you didn't have to overpay him, but then you still get the three-point shooting um, that's going to help you. He's going to help um, the young guys um, that they have in Benbury, um, Dorsey, you know, as we'll, we'll talk a little bit later, kind of hone their craft. Um, Bembry especially needs, you know, help shooting the ball. And then Dorsey is a shooter, but Bellinelli will be able to give him tips um, as far as shooting the ball. Plumlee, um, before they got Dwayne Dedman, I thought, okay, well, he'll be in the rotation. Now I think he'll be a, a very minor situational big that'll get in if they need fouls or um, just a, a big man to kind of, clog up the lane and, and against certain teams, but otherwise I wouldn't expect a lot out of Plumley. Yeah, he went from, for a little while there, he was the only center on the roster under contract, mm-hmm. and it was starting to almost look like, holy crap, he might start, you know, for this team. Is that really going to be what's ha- what happens? And then you mentioned, you know, Dwayne Dedman signed. We'll talk about him in a minute. Mike Muscala signed, and now it looks like Plumley is where he should be as a, you know, one of the worst contracts in the NBA to be a third center. In the different leagues. So the next guy I want to go to, Nicholas Brasino. Now, this one went a little bit under the radar. Might have been missed by some folks. He was waived by the Dallas Mavericks, claimed on waivers by the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Brasino is he, he's an interesting guy. He's somebody the Mavericks liked a lot, but he mm-hmm. had a fairly early guarantee date on his contract that got pushed back once. And then it sounds like he was not willing to push it back again. So the Hawks claimed him, and now the Hawks are on the hook for his full salary. They're going to have to pay his full guarantee. It's it's, it's at the the minimum for a player with one year service, so about one point three million dollars. But he's six foot eight. He's a forward guard. He's a decent ball handler, decent passer. He did did a nice job in summer league. Uh, you know, try they they try to I think put him in a position to be more of a scorer off the bounce, which he really nece- isn't necessarily that. And, um, you know, he didn't always look great doing that. But he's an interesting kind of guy. When you're in the position Atlanta's in, he's the kind of guy you should be bringing in, is my thought. What do you think? Yeah, I think the same, because as um, you talked about earlier, um, if they're, you know, keen on developing wings, which the Hawks are, um, perfect situation for Bristino. Um I'd like to see him improve his three-point shooting. Only shot about 
um, 30% from three last year in, in 54 games for, for Dallas. But I think he, as he gains confidence, his spot-up shooting will get better, um, you know, get better off the dribble as well. And um, going to probably spend most of his time in the D-League, but still – you know, you could have worse options for a you know third small forward on your team. Yeah, and he's not, he's not he's not old by any means. A little little older than I think some people would realize for a guy who's only got a year in the league. He's 24 already. Turned 24 in March, and he um you know did play extensively overseas prior to coming to the NBA. So that's why he's kind of you know a little bit older for a rookie. But let's get into a guy I'm really really excited about. I want to spend a little bit of time on this guy, John Collins, the Hawks' first round draft pick. This guy was somebody I loved in the draft. I thought, you know, and, and, and I still I, I like those old school power forwards, man. I think they're I think there's still a place for those guys in the league. And Collins was one of those guys who you can just give it to him, and he's going to get you a basket inside. He can do that today as a rookie. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to go down inside and score in the NBA, whether it be dunks or he has a nice soft touch. He's got a couple of nice moves down inside. The thing that really excited me at Summer League is he's starting to show the ability to step out 15, 18 feet and repeatedly make his jump shot. He has a really good form. Again, he's got a nice soft touch on his jumper. He gets good arc on the ball. Um, you know, and I know talking to a lot of folks with the Hawks, their hope is that he's going to be able to step out eventually to the three-point line. If he can do that, the Hawks might have one of the steals of the draft. Yeah, I absolutely think the same thing because he's already, you know, a gifted scorer down in the, in the you know, post area. Obviously, we saw the, the highlight reel in Vegas, uh, the posterizing dunk. And I think with Collins, the only reservation that if you're watching him um, is that his defensive potential might be a little bit limited, but he's a rookie. So I don't, I give it three years before I really sum up a player if, you know, he's able to transition to the NBA or not. Um, and I think Collins is going to be okay. He's going to um, get some good minutes coming off the bench and, and is really going to help the Hawks. And I think fans are going to fall in love with John Collins. Yeah, and I'll, you know, I want to tag on to something you said. Is This will be a, just a good lesson as we get into this deeper with all these guys. All of these rookies suck on defense. <laughs> They're all mm-hmm. really, really bad defenders. There's like maybe two or three of them that it's like, all right, they can do some stuff. You know, the, the the best you can say about a couple of them is, oh, they're kind of average. They can, you know, maybe get some plays. Even the guys people get all excited about in summer league, it's like, yeah, the dude picked up six steals, but he was gambling all over the place and, you know, doing yep. crazy stuff that he's not going to be able to do in the NBA. So, you know, and, and that's, I'm overstating that a little bit, but don't, don't get overworked if, you know, rookies aren't good on defense. It takes, that takes longer to come along with that. And I think Collins is going to have the benefit because, we're going to talk about another signing that they made, Arsan Ilyasova. They're bringing him back. He can now be brought on a little slower. They're not going to need him to be right in there day one, you know, starting power forward and, you know, making all kinds of plays. I think they can bring him on, you know, a little bit slower and, and do that. So I'm really excited about him. I think he is uh, somebody the Hawks can build around. I think he's going to be a real good pairing with Dennis Schroeder. Um, if they can get – you know, a couple of these other guys that they're not ends, but we're still going to talk about them. But Torian Prince, DeAndre Bembry, who you've mentioned a couple times, they can find something in those guys. All of a sudden, Atlanta's got some some better young talent than I think you know a lot of us thought. But but let's continue down on the guys who are joining the team. Dwayne Dedman, two years, fourteen million dollars. Um, he is coming into Atlanta from the San Antonio Spurs, where he was the Spurs starter for most of the the season. 
those those two two year contract is uh you know um and I'm sorry it's 14 million was the reported but it's actually only 12.3 um, because there's a, there's some money that's tied up in what's termed to be unlikely incentives so so right Pete we always say it's it's educational on the show exactly so I got to dive into what that means so so in contract you can put incentives in a contract which are bonuses call them call them that if that's what you want and they can be things like if the player makes the all-star team or if the player is a uh, averages two blocks per game and those kind of things. And all incentives are termed likely or unlikely. The only qualifier is, did it happen the year before? If it happened the year before, so let's use Dwayne Dedman. If it was must average, I'm going to make it unrealistic, eight blocks per game. And it didn't happen the year before, then that's an unlikely incentive. If that did happen, it becomes a likely incentive. And whatever it is, if it's $500,000 or a million dollars, that's what goes on to the uh, contract, and that's ultimately what the cap hit is based on. So Deadman has some unlikely incentives in his contract, which makes his cap hit for 17-18, million. Then he has a player option for 18-19 of $6.3 million. I like Dwayne Dedman. I got to know him a little bit from his time with the Orlando Magic. I thought he was really good with the Spurs. I was all over that. If you remember when we on our old show, I, I told you guys he was going to start for them over mm-hmm. Paul Gasol. He would be their starting uh, five-man. and uh, you know, I don't get him right very often, so I have to toot my horn when I do. Um, so, you know, he's somebody I like. And, and I think, you know, for what they paid him, that's a fantastic contract. You know, I think he's going to give them a lot of what they got from Dwight Howard at, what is that, less than a third of the price? Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, his his rebounding is going to help. His defense at the rim is going to help. And then it, it kind of gives you a good balance um, if you're the Hawks because if they potentially start Elias Dova at the power forward spot, then if you're Dwayne Dedman, obviously you're not going to worry about getting points. You can just get easy putbacks or – you know, an occasional dunk here or there, your focus is protecting the rim, um, get rebounds, get it to, to Schroeder and, and let him go. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, and he's, you know, Deadman is not a guy that you're going to say, all right, get in there and post up, big fella. We're going to get you the ball go get us 20. That's never, ever going to happen with him. He's still a pretty abysmal offensive player. He, his hands are made out of concrete. Oddly enough, <laughs> only on the offensive end. He sucks up rebounds with no problem, but he can't catch a pass for his life. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, but, but again, $6 million bucks. When you see what centers got paid the last few years, you know, especially guys who can start, that's good. You know, and I'll, I'll call it right now, right here. I think he's the Hawks starting center on opening night. You know, I agree. I, you know, I mean, that's um, that that's not as big as me calling it for the Spurs, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll still get there. So now another guy, another draft pick, Tyler Dorsey. He was the second-round guy. Signed a two-year contract, a uh, minimum contract for Dorsey over the two years, um, but both years fully guaranteed. We saw that a lot. Um, Second-round guys getting fully guaranteed years and part big partial guarantees and things like that, um, which is, is, a, is a bit of a change, but I think teams are realizing the value there, and if you trust your player development system and staff, you're going to be you your scouts that, that helped you get that guy to be drafted. You know, you might as well take a shot at him. I know he's somebody the Hawks are really excited about. Kind of a combo guy. I know you know a little bit more about him than I do. Um, but my, my impression of him is a little bit of a combo guard. He's not really a point guard, not really a shooting guard. Probably needs to log some D-League time, you know, a lot of practice and bench time. But what are your thoughts on Tyler Dorsey? Um, more of a two-guard than a point guard. If you have him running the point, it's going to be very limited. Um, he is going to be somebody that can shoot, although he did struggle 
um, in limited time in the summer league. So I don't know if he's kind of coming off an injury or he just, you know, kind of the speed of the game uh, took a little bit. But he's not somebody right now just based on kind of the other young wings that Atlanta has on the team. I don't expect Tyler Dorsey to play very much for um, the Hawks this season. I think he spends probably 90 to 95% of his time in the D League and gets experience and is a rotation player possibly next season if he develops. And now you did it too, and I, I did it first, so I put you on a bad path. It's the G League. I G League, yes. I knew, knew it, man. I knew it. I knew what I was going to do. I did it. I did it first. So we'll, we'll, I'll take the blame for that one. That's my fault. Um, but, yeah, and, and that's a good chance to, to talk real quick. The Hawks do have their own G League team now. Um, the last couple of years they, they haven't had one. They've been – they partnered up with Austin, which is, I think, a lot of Mike Budenholzer and Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford's relationship, where the Hawks would send their guys to the Austin Spurs. But the Hawks have their own NBA G League team. It is the Erie Bayhawks, who were formerly the Atlanta Magic. The Magic bought the Bayhawks, moved the the actual franchise, the Bayhawks, to Lakeland, renamed them the Lakeland Magic. And then Erie kind of relaunched as the Bayhawks with the Atlanta Hawks as their partners. Now, this is only a one-year thing because Atlanta's going to have their own team that plays in Atlanta or really close College Park, right? That's really close. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's not very far at all from, from Atlanta. Yeah, so they're going to have their own team. and I, I, It's either next year or the year after. Um, I, do, do you know off the top of your head? Um, I think it's the year after. I think and you might be right. I think it's the year after. Yeah, so but it, but again, this is cool to have your own team because you can do this now. You can you know, now it's still a bit of a you know, process here because the team is located up in Erie and they're gonna have to shuttle guys all the way up there. Um and do that. That's part of the reason why the magic they they didn't they didn't love it, right? That's why you see all these teams there. They're either buying or expanding and creating their own team that's really close by. So that way they can can have guys. What you're going to see with the G League is um, you're going to have these guys. They're going to practice with the NBA team, and then they're going to go play with the G League team. That's going to be a regular occurrence with these guys, um, especially these young guys who are signed to the NBA and not to a two-way contract, which we're going to get into one of those here in a minute. And the outline here is review the Hawks additions. Um, those guys, are they're going to work a little bit different, so we'll save that one. But the guys who are actually on the roster, the back-end young roster players, they're going to spend a lot of time um, practicing with the big club, but then playing down in the G League to get that valuable in-game experience. And for what it's worth, I don't know how much of that will be with Dorsey doing the practicing and then playing just because of the, the, the difference in the travel. Um, but I do think he will spend some time with the Erie Bayhawks, certainly playing down there. So, um, But that's a lot of time on a second-round pick. So let's move on to a guy who's been in the NBA for a while. Ersan Ilyasova re-signed with Atlanta one year, $6 million. I think this is great. You know, he, he, Ilyasova is not a great player by any means, but he's a quality, functional NBA guy. He's going to help John Collins because, one, Collins is under the pressure of having to start. He's going to show him what it means to be a solid team defender. Ilyasova's not a great shot blocker. He's not a guy who's going to go out and lock someone down, but he knows what he's doing. He's every year among the NBA leaders in uh, charges taken because he's a good positional defender. I think Collins can learn a lot from that because Collins isn't a uh, super athlete who's going to be, you know, locking guys up either or making a bunch of plays at the rim defensively. So I think he can learn from Elias over there. And he can also shoot, again, keeping with that theme of keep shooters on the floor around the guys you have, and that will help these young guys develop. So, you know, and, and finally, once again, keeping with the Hawks theme here, 
it's a good tradable contract. If Atlanta wants to move him in a trade and a team comes and offers them something for him at the trade deadline, again, teams are always looking for those stretch four guys. They might be able to get something out of them. What's your take on them bringing back Eli Silva? I love it because just as you said, it's an easy transition for um, them if they want to move him, kind of like Philly did where Ilyasova mentored Dario Saric. Yeah. Yep. Um, so kind of perfect scenario. So I think um, you're, you'll probably end up seeing Ilyasova moved in a deadline deal, something like that. But Travis Flink likes guys that are versatile, kind of coming from that um, Golden State Warriors system, um, you know, likes guys that can shoot and, and play multiple roles. And Ilyasova – um, we'll do just that, be able to stretch the floor and, and get you some points in a hurry. <laughs> I know you're a big um, NBA junkie and history guy. Remember when people used to yell and scream about what an overpaid bum he was with Detroit and Milwaukee? I do. <laughs> and now now here me and you are like, he's a good quality veteran mentor guy and you know that. And, but that's how it can change, right? It's, you know, these guys aren't, you know, you, you can't lock these guys in forever. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say it was crazy because when he got drafted by Milwaukee, it kind of didn't work out. He went back overseas, came back. Um, and then all of a sudden his career, um, you know, he obviously stuck in the NBA. And, and it's just kind of funny how the world turns, uh, so you know, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, because he's a guy. I mean, he could have gone back over to the NBA. He's Turkish, for those who don't know. He could have gone back and played, you know, 15, 20 years overseas and made a ton of money overseas, been a huge star. But instead, you know, he's here. And I mean, he, don't get me wrong, he's made, made a comfortable living in the NBA too. Um, probably more money ultimately than he would have overseas. But, it, you know, he's a good quality guy. You know, now mm-hmm. he's not, you know, if, it, yeah, if, you, if the Hawks gave him one year 20 million, then, you know, we'd have a whole different kind of conversation. But, but that's not what they did. So, so let's get into the next guy, Mike Muscala. Or I'm sorry, Josh Majette. Let's talk him first, and then we'll get into Muscala. So Josh Majet, um, I know a lot of people look at it, they think it looks like Maggetti, and people think he's like Corey Maggetti's little brother. Mm-hmm. But it's Majet, that's how you say it. Um, he is a uh, point guard. Um, he's somebody that has bounced around a little bit. He's had, I believe he's had a couple of 10 days in the league. I'm, I'm going to look that up um, while we're talking here. But he, No, he actually did not. He's never actually played in an NBA game. He's been in a training couple, camp. couple training camps. Yeah, yeah and he right. actually – Played two years with the um, the last two seasons with the Hawks in um, summer league and you're right yeah um, and then he did and then yep 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 I'm I'm looking at it now you're right yeah and it was uh yeah and then a couple of training camps is what he was yeah and then yep. um, with with him it's more so um, one of the uh, top guards in the G League yep. uh, for the Los Angeles Defenders um, very good um, ball handler and and can you know kind of set guys up. Not much of a score, though. Um, I think with um, Majette that, you know, obviously being on that two-way contract, you can, um, for those that, that don't know, you can end up turning that into a regular contract, um, you know, whatever point. Keith, you, you know better than I do. Exactly, yeah, so let's you know, break that, that down. Up. Yeah, let's get into that because that's, that's, you know, um, as much as I like Josh Majette and I think he's a good guy and hopefully he makes it in the NBA, I really want to talk about, talk about the two-way contracts. Um, so he, he was our segue. So thank you, Josh Majev. We are forever indebted to you for that. So um, I will say with the two-way contracts, so there's a lot of stuff with this um, out there. So basically what it is is these guys are signed to a partial um, contract to play in the NBA, to be in the NBA. i got to be very clear about that. Be in the NBA as well as be in the NBA G League, in the Gatorade, excuse me, the Gatorade League. So with Majette, 
what's going to happen here is as long as he spends 45 days or less with the NBA team, so that's practice days, travel days, games, whatever it is, he doesn't count. Um, he, he, he stays on his two-way contract. The minute it hits that 46th day, the Hawks have to decide, are we going to waive him or are we going to convert him into a full NBA contract? And then that's when they would need to bring him up. Now, what's the benefit of these two-way contracts? These guys get a little bit more money. Um, they get about $75,000, which is a you know step up from your average NBA G League salary. Um, if, if folks don't know, a lot of the G League guys only made around twenty to $30,000 over the last couple of years. So this is a pr- pretty big bump up. Um, it, it's, it's almost the equivalent of what a lot of these guys were getting for to go to camp with an NBA team and then be assigned as an affiliate player to, to the G League. So what you'll see with, with a guy like Majed is um, until the G League season starts, he'll be with the Hawks. He'll be with them the entire time because that 45-day clock doesn't start until the G League season starts. Um, once they start their preseason practices and whatnot, that's when the clock kicks in. And then when the G League season ends, which it, it, it ends in like early April, um, late March, early April, then the clock ends. So if he's still got you know 20 days left or whatever, he can come back to the Hawks. And then any playoff time doesn't count either, but they're not eligible for the playoffs. So let's say Majette sets it on fire in the G League. He's scoring 25 points a game with 10 assists per game. The Hawks can't stash him and then bring him up and throw him on a playoff roster. It doesn't work that way. In order to do that, you'd have to convert him to a standard NBA contract. So so that's what you're going to see with these two-way guys. Is you're going to see him around really early, then occasionally, here and there, probably more as a injury coverage if somebody's out. And the cool thing is what it does is you still only have your standard 15 spots on your NBA roster. Then you have these two two-way guys. So let's say you're the Hawks and Dennis Schroeder, you know, twists an ankle. He's going to be out a couple games. You bring the Jet up, and without having to sign him, you can bring him up and plug him in for a couple of nights and say, all right, you know, hey, maybe Malcolm Delaney starts and Majet's the backup, you know, and plays behind him for a couple of nights. Or maybe they just say, you know, hey, let's throw him in and see what he can do and give him, you know, a couple of starts here. It's a really cool thing. Now, a lot of these teams are still figuring it out. I know a lot of players and agents are trying to figure this out. Is is this the way to go? Does this make more sense than me signing a standard contract? Or should, what, how should I handle this? What should I do? So it is going to be kind of, kind of fun um, to see how this all ultimately plays out over the years. But that, that's that's how the two-way contracts work. Um, you know, it's 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 going to be really exciting. And this is the point where I'm going to plug. I'm going to plug. You know, some friends of ours, friends of the show. I know Pete's aware of these guys too. Chris Reichert and um, Adam is Johnson, I believe, are running a. Um, a website called twowaysand10days.com. So if you just look up two ways and ten days using the numbers, so the number two ways and ten, the number ten days.com, it's going to cover everything you could ever want to know about the NBA G League. They have a whole two-way contract FAQ on there. They have a breakdown of the two-way contract tracker. The guys who have signed these two-way contracts are reportedly signing one. All kinds of information there. I highly encourage you to go check it out. Read it for yourself if you're interested. I know I refer back to it fairly often as well as the the regular, you know, real CBA when I have questions. And I definitely use that two-way contract uh, tracker to see, you know, where things are going. It's just sometimes a feels almost impossible to keep track of all this stuff. But, yeah, you know, super exciting, you know, uh, new development for the NBA. Yeah, both of them are great guys that 
it, it was kind of funny because when I read that they were teaming up, I was like, wow, this is amazing because they're two of the obviously the um, most well-known guys as far as uh, G League news goes, and, and just for them to be collaborating together, I think it's an awesome thing and um, way to go for them. Yeah, and it is Adam Johnson. I don't know why I hesitate every mm-hmm. time I you know, go to say I have a lot of Adams in my life, so I think, I think that's why I was like, wait, is mm-hmm. it this one that has this? So, yeah, so so that's what's going on with Josh Majette. So now let's talk Mike Muscala um, for the Hawks. He is coming back. He signed a two-year, $10 million deal. It's a flat $5 million each year, $5 million fully guaranteed in year one in 17-18, then a $5 million player option in year two. Um, Muscala's a guy I really like. I think he is someone who can be a stretch five. He can play a little bit of four in the right matchups for you. I, I don't know that he starts because I think Deadman will, but I think he's going to play tw- play the play plenty. I think those two guys are really a good combo. Muscala is going to be your offensive guy in the nights when you need a little more scoring punch, and Deadman will be your your defender. But Muscala is not a bad defensive player; be a pretty good rebounder. You know, for the limited time he gets, I, I'm really you know I, I think this is again this is another good solid move by the Hawks. Yeah, absolutely. And it you know basically if you're looking at um, last season, Muscala played really well in. Um, the 70 games that he played, average about 18 minutes or so. Um, I think that goes up. You'll see him be able to stretch the floor out to the three-point line, give a different look um, for the um, second unit because then you have Collins who can kind of bang inside, stretch the floor if he needs to, and then you've got Mascala out there to kind of, um, you know, take pressure um, off of um, any of the, you know, the bench guys that are on the wing um, as well as Collins inside by being able to stretch out to the three-point line. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to – yeah, he fits, right, with a lot of their guys. They're, they're going to have a decent uh, big man rotation, you know, out there. When, when you play those lineups with Ilias Ova and Muscala together, I don't know how much they'll do that because that could be exploited defensively by the quicker mm-hmm. teams. But if they do that, that's you're going to have a lot of shooting. You know, on the floor and a lot of good, you know, offensive players with that. So um, now we're going to move into the last guy. We already talked about Miles Plumley and didn't say very nice things, so we'll, we'll we won't <laughs> we'll rehash that. So we'll, we'll move on to Diamond Stone. He was acquired in a trade, so this was this one was kind of funky. Um, the way this deal went down, the Hawks um, they knew they were losing Millsap, and the, in order to clear the space to sign Millsap, the Denver Nuggets had to do something with Danilo Gallinari, which was initially thought, all right, well, they'll just renounce him to sign Millsap. But then the Clippers wanted Gallinari, but they didn't have the ability to just outright sign him because they didn't have the cap space. So the Hawks said, well, hey, why don't we jump in here? We'll all work together. We'll make it a sign-and-trade. So Gallinari sign-and-traded from the Nuggets to the uh, to the Clippers. The Nuggets didn't want salary back because they're trying to clear salary to sign Millsap. Now, Millsap, I want to be very clear, it was a separate transaction, but it was a known thing at the time. And then the Hawks took on the contract of Jamal Crawford. They got Diamond Stone in the deal, and they got ultimately a first-round pick, which was a first-round pick that the Clippers had originally acquired from the Rockets in the Chris Paul trade. So, you know, if you start to chain things together here, it all gets, you know, gets, gets uh, you know, tied into one big package. But the Hawks then waived Jamal Crawford by everyone's agreement. Crawford didn't. He doesn't want to play for Atlanta. He want to be there. Crawford actually gave back some money to get out of his contract. He will be on the Hawks' books this year for $10.9 million and then a little over $2.3 million uh, next season. But Atlanta, they, they, they didn't need that cap space. They got a first-round pick. They got Diamond Stone. And that's the guy I want to talk about now is Diamond Stone. 
We didn't learn anything about Diamond Stone in the NBA last year. We played seven games, you know, very limited minutes. Barely learned anything about him in the D-League. He only played 13 minutes. I believe he was hurt for the first part of the season. I think that's why he was. Yeah, that's what I thought. We didn't see too much. Now, I know in college a lot of people like this guy. He's kind of, kind of a big guy, you know, kind of a rugged banger type and can rebound a little bit. Um, starting to work on stepping out to shoot the ball a little bit more. He did, you know, in limited uh, D-League action, did shoot 37%. From on the three-point line, which that's you know that's encouraging to see for a big 82% on free throws, um, grabbed about seven rebounds per game, almost a block per game, um, averaged a little over 16 points. So again, it's only 13 games down in the G League, but you know it's 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 better to see it than not see it. He's another guy. I don't know how much time he spends up with Atlanta because they they, they all the bigs they brought back and then they got excuse me the guys they brought in. But I do think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if if he's a guy who can develop. He's got a he's got a one more year left, a guaranteed year at one point three million dollars. Then he's a restricted free agent this summer, so kind of a big year for him. But do you, do you have much more to say in Diamond Stone than that? I mean, he's just a project, and that's the thing is is watching him in summer league. You would think with his size, he would be able to bang inside and really take advantage of that. But he gets the ball down low and is a little bit hesitant, tries to um, do a little bit of a pump fake move and then go up. I'd like to see him work on being a little bit more dominant on the offensive end when he catches the ball inside, go up for some uh, quick dunk, um, easy finishes, maybe draw a foul or two um, in that. And then, of course, his footwork on the defensive end uh, needs to get better. But um, good project for them for the G League. I don't think that – um, you know, unless you really sour on Miles Plumley kind of being your your third big, um, which could happen, um, I don't see Diamond Stone playing a ton for Atlanta. Yeah, and I will say one thing always worries me in summer league when you're a rostered player and you can't start in summer league. That's always really concerning, unless you've got like if, unless you're like the Celtics who brought you know six guys who are going to be on the roster to to summer league. That's that's a little bit different. Um, the Lakers had a ton of guys who were going to be on their roster at summer league, but you know if, if you're if you're a rostered guy and you're not starting, uh, that that's always a concern. You know it always leaves me feeling a little bit cold. And Diamond Stone did not start in any of his four summer league appearances as a second year guy, so you know we'll we'll have to see you know, ultimately where it goes um, from from there with him. But that that closes out that part of it. So let's let's now get into a uh, a couple of the questions we have here. So one of the questions I have for you. Let's talk to you guys. They're not new, but they're around. Torian Prince and DeAndre Bembry. Uh, Prince was a starter by the end of the year. He's their starting um, three man and really played you know pretty well. Um, I thought for the Hawks showed a lot of things. Can play, play a little bit of small ball power forward, but probably more of a three than a four. Needs to stretch his range out a little bit more um, with him. So I think I, I'm going to assume we're both in agreement. The Hawks definitely have a player in Prince. Yeah, and I think he absolutely is their starter yeah. um, this season as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think I think that's uh, where where we will um, see him be. I think he will be the starting three man. I think he's going to be probably one of those guys who it might look ugly at times, but it needs to for development purposes for him. Um, you know, which is is okay. You know, that's that's perfectly fine. But now let's get into Andre Bembry. Now, he didn't play much at all. He he was another guy who spent a lot of time down in the G League uh, last year. Um, then didn't do too much, but he he did some things in summer league. He he's got that old man game 
You know, he's got to get that in-between game. He, nothing he does looks very quick, but it's always, you know, kind of effective. Pretty good ball handler, pretty good passer um, for a guy who's got decent size. He's about six foot six, can play, you know, a little bit of the two and the three, really kind of now in the NBA as those positions are merging together. He's just, a, he's just you know, kind of a pure wing. He definitely needs to shoot it better um, to be in there. But do you think Bembry could be the – is he the next Hardaway the next uh, you know, guy to come through Hawks University. I think he's very versatile in that he can provide ball handling. Um, he can score if he needs to, but I don't know that he right now is a, a good enough shooter to um, potentially get a ton of minutes in the rotation. But I think he's a good you know 15 to, to 17 minutes um, a game and, and kind of build from there. He's kind of that old school mode uh, or mold, I should say. Um, player and going to kind of give you a different look. I think personally he ends up backing up um, both the uh, the two and the three, um, and that's kind of where he'll he'll develop the year. But I actually like his game. He he did very well in summer league, so hopefully he takes that into the regular season and can earn that rotation spot. And I absolutely think he can because if he's backing up the three behind Prince, then that moves. Um, you either start Bellinelli or you start Bazemore at the two um, and interchange those two um, in and out. Yeah, I think Bazemore probably starts at the two just because mm-hmm. he, he's their guy. He's been there longer. I think Bellinelli gets the first crack at the minutes behind him. Maybe Bembry gets the minutes behind Prince. You know, to yep. start off the year, you know, I do think the Hawks will probably go nine, ten deep at least. Um, you know, but I, I do think both of those young guys, they're second-year guys, and I think both of them are going to be big parts of the Atlanta rotation this year. So, um, last, uh, last two questions here, um, and then a little bit of information. So, the last question, one of the last two questions is, what do they still need? So, I'll, I'll go first on these guys. I think they still need another point guard. Um, did you, Malcolm Delaney is there. You know, I, I had high hopes. I thought Delaney might be better than what he was uh, this past year for Atlanta, but he, you know, really kind of struggled. He wasn't, you know, didn't have the best year, you know, at all for the uh, Hawks. So, you know, a little, little worried about that. Um, you know, I think when you're in kind of this uh, soft rebuild, if you'll call it that, or reset, um, I think he's perfectly fine behind Dennis Schroeder, who should be a 30 to 35 minute a night guy anyway. Um, but I do feel like they need one more point guard on the roster. What do you think the need is for the Atlanta Hawks? I'm with you saying they need a point guard, but then I was looking at the point guard market and nothing nothing really like sticks out to where I'm like, oh, okay, they can sign this guy and, and it'll be, you know, okay because um, you're looking at guys like Norris Cole. Like, really, I mean, what is he going to bring to your team? I just – nothing is inspiring. Now, a guy that, that I thought about but I don't think he goes to the Hawks um, is Ian Clark. Um, could potentially be somebody there. But then, you know, kind of where does he fit? You know, it's not probably enough minutes for what he's looking for. Not They probably can't get him as far as money-wise. Um, but at this point, I mean, I would say bring up um, – Majet, sign him as the third point guard and, and roll, you know, going that way. Because you could use memory if you need to, um, you know, in a in a ball handler role, you know, things like that. Yeah, and I, th- I think Dorsey can defend the position. So I think mm-hmm. you could sign him over um, a little bit. Yeah, it, it'll be um, – yeah, it'll be kind of curious what I think they might actually do. I, I'm glad you mentioned Majet. They may kind of pull him up 
at times in that, that window that you have at the beginning of the year before the G League season starts and really let him, you know, maybe play a little bit. If he does well, they may just convert and then go. Um, with him, that might be you know, a direction we see see the Hawks go. So, all right, a little bit of information now. So the Hawks, they cap space left. They have about, let me just double check because I've been updating numbers um, all day long as the transactions have not stopped. We've got about $6.1 million left. So, so I think you're probably right. That that might not be enough for Ian Clark. But then on the flip side, what else is he getting elsewhere? Because there ain't enough money left anywhere else. And then they've got about, they do have their room exception left, the full room exception for $4.3 million left for the Atlanta Hawks. So they still got a little bit of spending power, probably more so than a lot of other teams at this point um, in the offseason. The Hawks are you know, one of uh, eight teams that still have um, some reasonable amount of cap space um, left under the books um, to spend. But I, I think that might be more of let's hang on to that if we need to eat a little bit of money and pick up an asset. Later on in the year, we might do that. So that's going to lead us to our final question for the Atlanta Hawks. Are the Atlanta Hawks up or down, in your opinion? Um, obviously, they're going to be down just because it's a kind of a rebuild, so to speak. And um, personally, I know um, you know it's a little bit early to say playoffs, no playoffs. But, I mean, where they are, I think they're a fringe playoff team. Yeah, well, in the East, everybody is. In the East, yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the East, me, you, and three dudes from the street are a fringe playoff team, it feels like. Um, yeah, that's true. Hey, well, I, I might be. Maybe you and four dudes. I don't know if I'm you know, <laughs> enough to do that. Hey, you could run point guard a little bit, so <laughs> yeah. you'll be all right. Yeah, I'd be the NBA's fattest point guard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, hey, let's uh, get... Give, I'll give you my take on it. I'm with you. They're down. You don't lose Paul Millsap, Dwight Howard, Tim Hardaway Jr., all productive starters um, for you and not necessarily replace them. But I don't think they're going to be as down as people think. I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, they're going to be as bad as you know Brooklyn and where Philadelphia was the last couple of years. And they stink and they're tanking. That's why they did all these moves. They're not tanking. 100% not tanking. You know you live in Atlanta. They don't. They don't do that. And they really can't. Right, it's not. They don't have the fan base that that can support it. They're not the Sixers where the fans are like, "Hey, this is awesome. Let's you know lose for a decade, you know, and get a exactly. young guys." That's not going to happen in Atlanta. So they're not tanking. So I'm going to go down, but I don't think they're going to be as down as people think. I don't think they'll be a playoff team. I don't think there's enough talent there. But but it's still too early for that. I get a lot of you know reviewing and breaking down to do on that. So that closes out the Atlanta Hawks. This is why um, we're probably going to only limit it to a couple of teams on this episode because Pete and I get into this and go long, but this is what Mm -hmm. folks told me, and I want to take this time to thank all of you who I met in both uh, Orlando, you know, some of the fellow media folks and um, NBA folks who listen to the show, as well as a bunch of people in Las Vegas who came up and mentioned being fans of the show. I really, really do appreciate it. Um, Pete, we got a lot of great feedback from a lot of people on our draft episode, which I think was two hours plus long that we went on that one. Um, that's yeah. great because we put a lot of in-depth analysis in there, and that's, that's kind of what we want, though. We want to go as in-depth as possible, and we want to continue getting – um, feedback as much as possible. So, you know, make sure you, you're hitting both of us up on Twitter. We'll give our handles 
on out later, um, as well as going on iTunes and, and letting us know what you like, what you don't like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my my email is right in my Twitter bio too. Um, we can go ahead and do that part of it now. I'm at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. If you don't already know, if you're if you're listening, you probably already know that. Um, but my email is right in there. Feel free to shoot me an email. Let me know what you liked about the show. I can't promise I'll respond to everything, but I will read anything that is sent to me. You can hit us both up on Twitter. Pete, give out your Twitter. It's uh, at Pete Toll, so it's P-E-T-E-T-O-A-L, NBA, um, and, you know, I answer everything. Um, if it's something that, you know, might be kind of telling the line that I don't have as much info about, then I'll, you know, try to take a little bit to, to research it. I don't just quick reaction anything. Um, you know, always love to talk and, and, you know, interact, so... Definitely let me know what you like, what you don't like, um, you know, anything like that. Yeah, so it is, um, you know, again, this is, uh, you know, well, this is what we want to do. This is, you know, the show we want to have. So many people, you know, came up and were like, oh, man, I love that draft show because you guys want to want I got a lot of, you know, I listened to it while I drove here to Vegas or on my flight or a lot of, uh, while well, I was cutting the grass, you know, those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was really cool to, to see that. And they're like, I like that you guys talked about some of those back-end guys that, you know, in the second round that people might not know, you know, as much about and those kind of things. So it was cool. And that, obviously, we just, you know, we spent like five minutes talking about Tyler Dorsey and, you know, those guys. So, you know, that's what we're going to do on the show. We're going to break it down. We're going to go in depth. So, you know, as we're, we're running up against the hour mark here, we are going to go ahead and cut this episode off. We will leave it to just the Atlanta Hawks for this one, but I promise you in the future episodes, because we're not going to have to give you the, this is why we took a long break, um, in the future episodes, we will get right into it um, for all the teams. You've been listening to the NBA Front Office Show. I'm your host, Keith Smith. I'm joined by my buddy, Pete Toll, as we break down all 30 NBA um, off-seasons in-depth, player-by-player, transaction-by-transaction, and walk through it um, here again. The NBA Front Office Show, part of the Almighty Baller Network, and we will talk to you next time. My feet are wet. Where's the drain plug? You put the plug in the drain, right? Ah, it's on the dock. There's a reason they say curse like a sailor. Ah. Many reasons. Progressive's boat insurance has you covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. And now, an ad from Dad. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Hey, another way to save money, don't buy those uh, expensive coffees every morning. You know? Then you can save up for a, I don't know, a really nice dress shirt. I'm just saying, it's great that you feel comfortable here at work, but, you know, an adult could walk in. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.